Uh, we are talking about a better year, better you, but I, I kind of want to rephrase, rephrase that to a better decade because we didn't go into a new year. We're actually going into a whole new decade. We, we've got to learn to teach ourselves to see, look up a little bit because it's easy for us to get in the weeds of life. So we're in a huge new decade. It's really exciting. And we get to, we get to choose what that decade is going to look like. We get to make in, we, the decisions that we know will propel us into our best decade we've ever had in our entire lives. And it feels like it may be far-fetched, but it's really not. It's really closer than what all of us may even feel like it is. And even if you're going through the worst relationship challenge, financial challenge, whatever it is, uh, whatever your difficulty, it literally is just right around the corner, and it's just a few shifts. That's why we talked about revising our thinking a couple of weeks ago, last week revising our strategy, and then this week, we're talking about revising our actions. And actions, are, they are they're initiated with a decision. It doesn't take a whole lot. I just got to decide. At some point, I've got to get out of the strategy mode, and I've, then I've got to decide I'm going to do something. So, so many people get stuck in one level, two, two places. One, I don't even want to think, and so I don't want to have a plan for the future. That's one place, and, and being in the mud, stuck in the clay. The other is they get per, analysis paralysis where they literally think and think and think and plan, and then they think themselves to death. And by the time they're done thinking, they don't want to move. They just, got, they just had a lot of fun thinking. And so their analysis paralysis. And, and that is a very, a very real thing because a lot of us, we're built differently. There's people that are very strategic. There's people that are not strategic. They're just doers. They just want to go do something, and they feel content because they did something, and they, they think it was the right thing to do. Well, somewhere in the gap is the right, in the right way to think, and that's why God has put us together to work together, to serve together, to be the body, because some are strategic and some are executors and, and some, some are relationship builders and some are social in different areas and some are just networkers. We, have to, we need the whole body to do whatever we're called to do. So uh, we got to get out of the analysis paralysis this week and move into execution, and so that, it starts with some decisions. I wanted to pull back to, to uh, Joel 2, 28 through 32. You know, you know these verses, at least you know, them, you know them when Peter stood up at Pentecost and he talked about it, he quoted these, and it was when he said, this is what Joel was saying, that the Holy Spirit would fall and God's presence would fall and that, that people would speak in new languages, that there would be visions, there would be prophecy, there would be dreams, and he goes, this is what Joel was saying. Well, you know Joel 28, 2, 28 through 32, but what you probably don't know is Joel 3 through 1 through 11. Well, what happens there is immediately God, God shifts things. He shifts the attention. He goes, okay, he's telling through Joel the Holy Spirit's going to come. But then he uses a shadow type of things to come, which we're living in. And in the Old Testament, it's very important for us to know because God would use natural circumstances for us to know about what's going on in spiritual working, spiritual, spiritual places after and in the new covenant, after Christ. There's a lot to that, but I want to, I want to break something down to you. So in Joel 3.10, he says this, he had gone through this, uh, God had gone through this, these nine verses of telling Joel that he was about to turn the table on God's people, on their enemy. So the enemy of God's people, God's church, had been coming against, had been coming against them, had coming against them, had put them in prostitution, sold them as slaves, had done all kind of terrible things. Well, God was finally saying, "I'm done with this. 
Right after Joel talked about the Holy Spirit coming, God's presence coming, he says, now I'm going to turn the tables and I am going to do to your enemies, to my people's enemies, what they have been doing to my people for decades, for years, for centuries. And so Joel prophesies this. And then God says, tell my people to this, 310, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weaklings say, I am strong. That's huge. So they're, 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 they're enslaved. They're, many of them are in prostitution. Many of them are in bondage. Many of them are in everything else but what it seems like abundance and grace and love and flourishing and all these things. But that's what Jesus came to give us. And I want to see you some, show you some context. And so God began to declare these things. He said, listen, and this is part of our revised thinking and revised strategy. He said, listen, those who say that they think they're weaklings, let them declare they are now strong. What's the switch? The switch is the way of thinking and then trusting God. And then the strategy now is I've got to take what was comfortable, that's my plowshares, my pruning hooks, and I've got to turn them into weapons of warfare. So the very thing that is causing you comfort is also causing you a little bit of being held back, being in slavery, being in bondage to that comfort. Remember last week I finished I finish with seek discomfort because we have found so much comfort. We thought that comfort would equal happiness, but what we're finding is actually comfort equals misery because there's no longer adventure in our lives. And so we pursue discomfort. Well, what happens? God says, if you're going to change your strategy, you've also got to take what's comfortable and then twist it and turn it into warfare. So at some point, your couch has got to turn into a play, an altar. You getting it? So, so you got to get on the rug and turn it into a prayer rug. So you got to turn that TV into a place of worship, playing worship music rather than BET or whatever else it is that you're watching, MTV or country music TV or Yellowstone, whatever it is that you're watching, you got to turn that into a place of worship. So it's taking your comforts and saying, no, my house is going to be holy ground, like we just sang. My, play, my house is going to be a sanctuary. My house, my car is going to be useful for the works of God. My you're taking your comforts and you're turning them into use tools of warfare. So if we're going to live in a different decade, we've got to things, do things differently. But here's the key in this, what we're talking about today, is God was literally bringing their enemies towards God's people, his church, let me just call it his church, in the Old Testament, bringing, it, bringing them to him, their adversity, their adversaries, because he said, God said, I'm already going to give you the victory, so I'm going to now do to the enemy what they have been doing to my church. And so now I just need you to turn your comfort into warfare, and I need, to, I need you to rewrite your thinking. You thought you were weak, but I'm telling you're strong because I have already given you a victory over the enemy that I'm bringing to you so that you can have victory through you. You getting it? That's New Testament life. That's the world we're living in. He gives us this Old Testament model so that we can see it in the natural, but it's going on in the spiritual. I can chase, I can chase this, this thread all the way through the New Testament for you. So you need to know this. God will bring adversity to you so that he can bring victory through you. And it is in that tension that God begins to stretch you and grow you and to make you who you really are in Christ. And it has everything to do with identity. Your identity has everything to do with what he says and who he says and what his word says. And has nothing to do with what you think about yourself. So what I'm saying is, weakling, declare you are strong and turn your comforts into things and at, at things of warfare, warfare and places of warfare. Because God, your life, life is not happening to you. 
No one did anything to you. God brought some adversity into your presence so that you would conform to his image so that he could bring victory through you because the very thing that you're facing, you already have victory over because God has already brought it to you so that you can have victory because he says you are more than a conqueror. You are, in fact, a victor. You've got to see yourself on the other side of this thing that's in front of you. Until you do, you will still call yourself a weakling while you're going through that thing, and you will never be strong until you start to picture and realize and declare and trust that God, you are who God says you are on the other side of this thing. So inside of you, there's an internal battle that God is working on so he can form you to his image. I'm feeling better than that today. So you've so you got to figure out what it takes to suit up so that you can be your best when you show up. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And this life I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me, and he gave himself up for me. I can't live it in the flesh. My comforts have all, everything to do with flesh. When I start getting out of my comfort zones, now it's all about faith i got to get into that warfare mentality because God is bringing me war all day long every week, for, but I've already won that thing. So what are we going to do? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone, you are anyone, is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. All things. In my own, my old perspective, my old creation perspective, my thoughts are, well, life just happened to me, or I am a victim. No, in my new creation perspective, I realize, I recognize that I am a victor and who goes out to war for training and strength. You remember what happened when David didn't go out to war? He fell into adultery with Bathsheba. He was supposed to be at war with his people. And whenever we don't go out to war, we don't go out and pick up ourselves for the day, and we don't say, nope, whatever this issue is, I'm overcoming because I already have it by the blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony and my testimony because he is a victor, I am a victor, and he's taking me through this. If I don't suit up like that, I'm going to be into a, in adultery to something. I, it may be an idol because I'm going to reach for something that's going to cause me comfort. Maybe it's food. Whatever it is, it's going to be something that I grab a hold of. Maybe it's social media, Amazon Prime, something that I have control of so I can fill this void that I have because I don't realize in this area I am a victor already. So there's a self-realization that must take place. And I'm going to humbly do some more confessing before you as if this was my confession booth. I have participated in every bad decision I've ever made. I have participated in every bad business decision I've ever made. Every bad relationship decision I've ever made, every fight I've gotten into with my wife, I was, I was there. Every bad, every bad hiring decision I've ever made, every bad firing decisions I've ever made, every bad everything decision I have ever made, I am the common denominator. And I can confidently and humbly say that in front of you because you are your own common denominator to your worst decisions that you ever made. And so when we own that, now we can have a responsibility and accountability for what has taken place in our lives. No matter if it truly did happen to you, there is a response that what ha is what ha to what has taken place that we are responsible for. And therefore, from that place, that's what I'm accountable to God for. That's tough. So we face our greatest challenge every morning in the mirror. 
The most difficult person to lead is looking at you every time you look in the mirror. You have probably found that you just wish you could overcome that person in, in the middle. That person in the mirror, rather, is the one who is always blaming other people for things that are going on in the life of that person in the mirror. The other person, the person in the mirror is always wondering or playing victim to or looking for something else to be the cause and the reason for the person in the mirror. Ouch. You, but you won't be a leader or an individual worth following if you don't lead yourself well. And you're thinking, well, I don't want to be a leader. I'm, and I'm going to tell you today you do. Because you at least want to lead self. And until you begin to lead self, you'll never be responsible. You'll never walk in that victor. You'll, as a victor, you'll never walk in the victory that God has already given you. So therefore, if you're going to do anything, if you're going to live this life, and you're going to do anything that looks like Christ, you've got to start by leading self first. In fact, whether or not you want to be like your parents, it doesn't depend on what they taught you or what they told you. It really depends on how they modeled life in front of you. You remember this statement, do as I say, not as I do, right? That didn't cause you to want to be like them unless it was con to continue that same phrase to your kids and or your, your people around you, whatever the case may be, right? So the, what decided that you want to be just like your parents or you want to have a strong relationship with your parents is how they model life life in front of you. And it's the same way with any leader in any leadership. There's, there's leadership that is, that is terrible leadership. There's leadership that is great leadership. Leadership, we often think, well, that's a place of authority. They have authority. But really, leadership comes down to influence. And you don't have to... Influence is not based on a position. Because you can have position. You can be a mom. You can be a dad and have very little influence. Now, you can, you can control through authority, but for a time and a season, when that child or that individual is ready to get out from under you, they're gone, and very, very, very likely they will not look back. So, but it may be some other situation, some other life situation that you're in that is going to require you to think smarter, remember last week, have smarter goals, and begin to think from a different perspective. Now, uh, to have influence, you're going to have to start with self-leadership, because great leaders last because they lead themselves first. Have you ever seen anybody that just gets taken out for some reason? All of a sudden, they're there, and then they're not. Or maybe they, they get burned out. Maybe you've, re, re, you've been in a place of burnout. I've been in a place of burnout. What happens? Well, they didn't take care of themselves first. I was talking with one of our subcontractors yesterday on my way home, I said, hey, so-and-so, how you doing? I think we're going to be ready to start next week. He goes, man, I've worked two, two full nights this week, and I mean overnight working on a certain job that I'm trying to get done. And I know he had been working for a while already leading up to that. I said, listen, I don't care if it's my job or another job. You can't help any of us if you don't help yourself first. Note taken, he said. But rest is one of the most difficult things to do. Self-care is one of the most difficult things to do. Self, looking over self and leading self truly is the most difficult thing to do. One is because that person in the mirror always has a better idea of what they want rather than what is most important. And it was overcoming that individual. But leaders who last, leaders who make the distance, self-leaders, parents, individuals, marriages that last, 
They are people who have vision in place, they have values in place, they understand and they know their why as to why they wake up in the morning, why they do what they do. They, they live life on purpose. They have fire behind them. They have drive. They have passion. They also have no hope that they have somebody that they're doing life with and they're doing it together and it requires being on the same page to do this. Look at this quote, you don't have to be in charge to take charge. You don't have to be in charge to take charge. What does that mean? Well, you don't have to be your own. You don't have to be a boss. You don't have to be. Uh, you don't. You don't have to be the man of the house. You don't have to be whatever it is. But you have charge already, and it's over yourself. You have to take charge. You, you must rise up and take charge over yourself. If any change, if you're going to have a great decade, if you're going to have a better you, the, mo- the most important person that you can begin to lead is self, is taking charge over self. So we have some personal decisions that we must make so that we can have revised actions. And uh, the first one is actually the, the hardest. And decision number one is this. I will not lie to myself even when the truth, even when the truth makes me feel bad about myself. I will not lie to myself, even when the truth makes me feel bad about myself. Now, all of us know those little things that we know about ourselves that we try to avoid, hoping no one else sees them. And we lie to ourselves in the middle of that right there. Because the worst thing in the world, we have been taught this thing, that the worst thing in the world that you can do is to feel bad about yourself. And that's, that's, that's what we're, but it's not. The worst thing in the world to do is not to, that you feel bad about yourself, is to not do anything about the thing that's causing you to feel bad about yourself. You tracking? All right. So, so we have to, if we're going to move forward, we have to come clean with ourselves. And that very thing that, we try, thing that we try to overlook and we hope and we reason away and we make excuse for and we maybe even set a budget for it financially, we have to begin to work that thing out and let that no longer be an indifference in our relationships, in, in our indifference in who God says we are and who I think I am. And no longer can it be an indifference attention on anything that we're doing. But we've got to make that decision that I'm no longer going to lie to myself even even when it makes me feel bad about myself. Because ex- exceptional self-leadership requires brutal honesty with oneself. Now, the easiest person to deceive is you. You're the, you, you are your own easiest person to deceive. Like, for me, I'm, I, am, I can deceive myself really quickly. Get this, whenever you, no one has to sell me, no one has to sell you. If you get yourself focused on something, all of a sudden you want this thing. You have so much tunnel vision on that thing that you literally can't see anything else going on around you because all your value, all your attention has been focused on wanting this. Maybe it's a new car. Maybe it's, maybe it's a new relationship. Maybe it's, maybe, it's a new, maybe it's a meal. Maybe it's a certain meal that you want to go to, and you, you can't hear anything outside of that. Maybe it's you want to go hunting, and you're ready. I'm, not, I'm going hunting. I'm going to do that. I'm going hunting, right? And you want to go. Whatever that thing is, you start protecting it with every kind of issue, every kind of defense, every kind of self-lie that you can possibly come up with just so you can defend your case around this thing, but it requires self-leadership to move beyond this. You think about the best salesmen are actually the ones who don't say anything. 
Because that salesman that realizes that you've already sold yourself and you're already convincing yourself on how you can get this thing, you don't need to hear any other details about it because you might hear something that's going to deter you from actually buying that thing. I, case in point, I had a, there, was a, there was a certain salesman that was, we were going to buy some product from for, our, for the building. And uh, he came, and I was show, he was we were showing him the building where it would be, and and then he he had already sent me a price, and then he goes, "Are you all right with the price?" And I, I said, "Well, not not really. I wish you'd turn you know, bring it down a little bit and do this and that, and I would like to challenge it up against this one." Well, once I did that, he goes, "Well, I sent him the, another bid, another uh, estimate of what kind of what the what the product was to see if he could ma- match my match apple for apple." I never heard back from him again. He had me sold until he mentioned, is the price all right? <laughs> nope, not if, not if you're asking. I know it's not right. So the best salesman would just say, if we're, if we're on, the, on track to do this thing, let's just do it. And that's exactly what you do to yourself. That's what I do to myself. I will not weigh anything that weighs out against what it is I've already set my heart on because I'm not going to hear it anyway because I am living in a lie according to my own desires. So I have to make a decision. The easiest person to deceive is myself. Why? Because you are a sucker for you. <laughs> you are a sucker for you. You are leading a liar at that point because now you have begun to lie against yourself. We all do it. Let's just, let's, we just get it all clean. We all do this. But you don't lead a liar, right? If you have a business or you have a place of business or you're working, whatever it is, maybe you're a manager, you don't lead a liar. You fire a liar, Right? Because you, there's no trust built between you and a liar. So what do you do? You are going to have to fire the liar. You're going to have to fire the liar inside. Because the old has gone, the liar's gone, and behold, the new has come. The liar can't walk into victory, but the new can. The one who's a victor can. So I've got to make a disagreement. I've got to cancel an assignment. I've got to cancel a contract. I've got to do something to fire the liar that is keeping me from walking in the completeness and the wholeness in the best decade of my life so that I can fulfill the calling and the purpose and the giftings of God that are on my life. Because I'm a sucker for me, I've got to fire the liar. I've got to fire that version that says, you know what, it's okay to have another piece of cake. It's okay to have another $600 car bill. It's okay to buy a house that's bigger than what I actually need, and it's outside of my price range. We just won't go with water for three weeks. It's okay, (laughs) right? It's okay to do that. We start convincing ourselves of how we're going to work something into an impossible budget because we have a liar that's working within us and has deceived us and has already taken root, and it causes tension and frustration and friction in every area of our lives because the thing that we were so passionate about having now has tension around it, and now I'm going outward in every direction to bring that tension, and I'm probably going to blame other circumstances for this thing that I've been protecting, I've been lying about so that I can have, and now I'm trying to say everything else is the problem, and really the problem is me. I hope I'm connecting with somebody in this place. But you can't lead yourself as long as you're lying to yourself. That, you know, in a decision time, I want to give you something to work into your thought process because at decision time, let's say, well, uh, I'm going to go out and get, and, and get a new dress. I'm going to go out and get a new shirt. I'm going to go out and get I'm going to go out and have a nice dinner. You know what? I haven't done this in a while. I'm just going to go do it for myself. Or I'm going to be, I know I can't afford a new car. I should probably buy a used car, but I'm going to go buy a new car anyway because it makes me feel good, and I just don't feel good right now. I'm going to go buy, I'm, 
You know, that thing that we do, that I'm going to go and do this thing, that's the person that I've got to begin to ask this question to, why am I doing it? Why am I doing this? But then, after you ask that question, I want you to take it to another level. Why am I doing this really? Everybody say this with me. Why am I doing this really? Because somewhere in that question with the really, you're going to start going sub-level below what it is that you want, and it's not because, well, I just need a new place to live. No, why are you doing this really? Because you're going to start to dive down into the real heart issue of why are you really fighting with your spouse? Why are you really? No, not because he or she said something. No, what is it really this deep down in that's really agitating you and really causing friction that you're not really dealing with and you're really dealing with the surface issues and you're living life in reaction to your surface lies that you have because you're trying to cover up what's really going on down inside that's causing you to make poor lying decisions. Why are you doing this really? When you don't want to answer the phone call because John Black is on the other line, why are you not answering really? What is it about the confrontation and the conversation that you're trying to avoid, and why are you trying to avoid it really? What is it whenever someone texts you and you don't want to text back, why are you resisting really? Why would you rather let it go to voicemail so that you can call them back and hope it goes to voicemail so that you don't have to talk to them directly so that you can leave everything that you want to leave on that voicemail? Really? What is it that's really going inside, the conflict that's inside of you, the issue that's inside of you, the insecurity that's inside of you? What is it really that's going on that's causing you to react to life in a certain way? Really? These are questions that you're going to have to ask in the midst of the situation, why, when, when our, our social media, I'm sorry, our media is not working, and my TV back there, my monitor is not working, why is it that I want to rage and I want to choke somebody out and fix the problem, really? Is, is it because I'm expecting way too much and my standards are way too high, really? Is it because I'm not getting what I want when I want it, really? You start thinking, why... Do I get upset because my kids left toys everywhere? Really? Why did I get upset because my child wouldn't put their little baby poo in the toilet? Really? What, what's really bothering me? Because <laughs> when we start to think about that, we start to diagnose some stuff. We start to come to the realization of some stuff. And it starts to take us places that we oftentimes have been running from for decades, and those are the things that have been driving us and causing the previous de decades to not look like what the desired outcome or the desire or the life that we really want. And so we've got to deal with some internal stuff, really, because the combination of your circumstances are an accumulation of solutions that you've yet to resolve with God combination of my circumstances, all my junk that's going on over here, all this is is, an, is a combination, is, a, is an accumulation. All that is, it's just a bunch of stuff that I have yet to take the solutions from God because God has every solution for all of my circumstances and all of my problems. 
Well, the tension in these two is I'm still wrestling with this because somewhere inside of me I'm lying about something within myself and I have yet to come over to God and wrestle the solutions out so that I can merge these things and I can live the wholesome life that God, is, that God has called me to. But Jesus says this, or through Paul, says 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, For who has the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Now, if I have the mind of Christ, but I've got a lot of circumstances that I don't like, well, what's the tension? The issue is I'm not applying the mind of Christ that God has already given me and declared me in this situation, in these struggles, in these circumstances, and instead I'm choosing to lie to myself so that I don't have to face these things and overcome these things because in the midst of finding solution from God and overcoming circumstance that I have in my life, there is conforming and putting on the mind of Christ so that I come through this looking like Christ. But why am I avoiding and what is going on inside of me? That was number one. Number two decision, the second decision is I will prioritize what I value most over what I want now. If you're going to have a better year, a better you, a better decade, uh, if you're going to have, in, you're going to have to have intentional, be very intentional on revising your actions because you must know where you want to go. Scripture says, without, without vision, my people perish, or they live unrestrained, like there's no order. And sometimes you feel like there's no order in my life. I feel like I'm just doing life. My life is a bunch of cycles and circles. It's just a pattern of going and going and going. And that's what life feels like. We feel like life is just happening to us. You are going to have to know where it is that you want to go. And that's why we talked last week about having smarter God goals. And we put that information on iTunes, it's on Facebook, it's on, so it's on podcast, it's on, uh, it's on version as well. So I'm, I'm, I've got a water hose I'm spraying out, but we have all the resources for you to go back through the week or through the months or through the year and re-listen to this information so you can take notes and you can digest it and you can get it into the workings of who you are. And so that you can have vision... You can begin to know what it means to have vision for your life so you know where you're going so that you can actually have this better decade. So what you really want, what you want now is really, uh, or rarely, what you want most. Like, I want this piece of cake right now, but I also want to lose that 15 pounds. Cake, 15 pounds. Cake, 15 pounds. Cake, 15 pounds. And so what you really want now is rarely what you want most, all right? So people, though, uh, well, people who lead the greatest change all lead themselves in the same direction. People who lead change, people who, who are leading self, people who are leading their house, people, you, and please, there is not one individual leading the house. People who lead in whatever capacity, they all are going in the same direction. Because if you're going to have a better decade, then you must discover what you value most. Every self-leader, great self-leader, every individual, every person who has decided I am in charge of my life, they have decided they are going to lead themselves where they value most. You cannot lead yourself well until you discover what you value most. And you will, you watch your life when every area you have a challenge or a problem and things are not going the direction that you desired to go, you will realize, well, that's not my value. 
but you haven't decided what your value is. Life cannot be built on knots. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I should not do this. Or I shouldn't. It's got to be decided in advance on what you are going to do, what the vision is for your life, what the values are for your life. When you start to work below the surface, you start to, why am I doing this really? When you start to work below the surface of your decisions, you'll confront, you'll confront what you want the most. So decision three is this, I will not attempt to lead myself by myself. And this is a huge one. This, this was the greatest impact on my life. I will not, I will choose, I will not attempt to lead myself by myself. Ten years ago, I, I discovered this thing about accountability. I found an accountability partner. We started sharing things in our lives that were very personal, things that we assumed no one else knew. It was things that man, I hope nobody else finds out about this. I don't know if anybody's ever been through this. I don't know if anybody... But you realize once you finally find that trustworthy individual that you can start doing life with and share the deepest inner workings of that really that's under the scene, you begin to have an openness and a vulnerability amongst each other that actually encourages growth. They don't have to have the solutions. They just need to, you just need to know that they love you no matter what, and they're going to be there to support you in the right path, in the right decision. And when you're not living that out, your best you out, they're going to, you're going to give them authority and a position to speak into your life without getting defensive. You're literally signing off rights for the privileges, for the privileges of having growth and having connection and having relationship because you're going to have to choose that you can't do this life on your own. You, have to, you probably will realize some of your worst decisions you've ever made were in a circle of friends. Growing up in high school, some of the, some of the, most, the worst decisions you ever made, the, 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 the choices that led you further away from God and further into guilt or shame, you did that with an accompaniment of friends. And it's the same way if you're going to do things to fulfill the values and the vision that are on your life that God has for you, at some point you're going to have to decide, I can't do this on my own. I can't do this on my own. Because our friends will determine the direction and the quality of our lives. You show, you show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I've said that many times. You are, a, you are a sum total, a median, actually, of the five closest acquaintances that you have. If you were to show me the five people that you hang, out, hang around the most, you are the average of all those five. Your finances are likely the average of those five. Your, your level of intelligence is likely the, level, the average of those five. Your spiritual life is likely the average of those five that you hang around with. And those five will actually be the ones who dictate your, your future because you will make choices based on what's good and what's happening and what's encouraging for those five. I know when I was growing up, my, my friends and I, we raised each other. And I loved to be that one that was going to encourage us to see and dare us to see what we can do and what we can get away with and what we can accomplish that was not necessarily wholesome and necessarily right, but we encouraged ourselves towards the worst because at that time in our lives, we had no guidance anyway. You, you will Make decisions based on the closest five friends that you have. Ultimate, the ultimate can be threatening because here's the, here's the challenge that will take place amongst your friends when you begin to have revised thinking and revised strategy and revised ask, uh, 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 actions. You will begin to create 
a little bit of tension between anyone, anyone that does not agree with where you're going because ultimate can be threatening to folks who've opted for immediate. I don't know if you ever heard about the crab in the bucket thing. You don't have to put a lid when you're catching crabs because as you catch crabs and a crab tries to get out, another crab's going to pull that crab right back in. <laughs> and you think about it, any time with your friends, you start, or maybe family, and you start to do something different that's outside of the culture of your little group, all of a sudden, all hell starts to break loose, and now you're the black sheep, or you're the enemy, or you're the one that's causing, causing problems. Even though you're bettering your life for you and for others around who do not know the purposes nor the outcome. And I, I see some head shaking. You're kind of getting this. You're, you are going to have to make some decisions that are a little bit contrary, abstract to the circle that you're dealing with, that you're in right now, because you are going to have to decide for the ultimate instead of the immediate. You know, the hard reality is this. You may have to change. You may have to sever some of the relationships you currently have. And that's where it gets tough. Because it's in that moment you start to decide, is this the five people I want to look like all my life? Or is there something better that is going to help me to overcome the mountain in front of me, the mountain of circumstances, and actually cause me to be the victor that God has already called me to be? And is he going to be able to bring victory through me while I'm in company with these five people? It's tough. And it's not enough to have common interests with people. It's, it's nice that you, and you should have some friends that you have common interests with, but your closest five should have common values that you share. Because values will always lead you and guide you to the place that you ultimately want to be. But if it's just interests, will, you will always be driven by the immediate over the ultimate. So you're going to have to fire the liar. You're going to have to fire the liar. Because everybody will end up somewhere, but you have the responsibility to know and decide that it will be on purpose and with purpose. We have seen many friendships developed through our missions trips. We have seen many people get connected. They get away from their normal life, and no longer they are the circle of their five, the, the five closest friends that they have. And all of a sudden, they have new people, new groups, new connections with people who share same values on these mission trips, and they make lifelong connections. And when they come back, the challenge is there because now they're confronted with, who am I? And who am I going to be? But we've seen these lifelong, lifelong relationships begin to develop because people got away from themselves and they begin to live out purpose according to God in their lives. And they felt, they sought, and they, they were able to understand and discern what real change, what real kingdom change feels like. Tribes are the same way. We have those starting up in, in three weeks, four weeks here in the middle of, of February. We have a mission trip coming up. We have a deadline at the end of this month. We'd love to see all of you on there to make decisions to revise your actions so that you can have a changed decade. Get plugged in. Join a, join a small group. Join a Thrive Tribe. Find a circle of people that you can learn to trust and begin to trust and have some kind of connection with so that you can begin to discover accountability and openness so that you can encourage one another towards your greatest values in life. Because your thinking, your strategy, and actions will purposefully decide your outcome. 
it's really logical when you get down to it. But it has a lot of faith that must be applied to in order to overcome it. Because we don't like our current circumstances. We don't like the junk we've been going through. We don't like feeling defeated. And we have no reason to because we have the mind of Christ and we have been given every solution, everything that we need. It's found in prayer. It's found in connection. It's found in stumbling around on the back while the pastor's trying to say something (laughs) and everybody's distracted now. (laughs) Decision number one, I will not lie to myself even when the truth makes me feel bad about myself. Decision two, I will prioritize what I value most over what I want now. And decision three is I will not attempt to lead myself by myself. And here's why. The person in the mirror is depending on you. And it might just be that there's some smaller faces and smaller mirrors that are also depending on you leading yourself really well. I want to pray with you you'll get in that place where you know you are sensing the presence of God. You know, I'm, I'm in a season of celebration because my, for myself, 13, 14 years ago, I began to make these declarations and make these decisions and confront the lies that I had believed in my life. I began to decide I can't do life by myself, and I began to declare the decisions I was making in that season were decisions for the wife I did not have. It was the wife I did not know. It was the kids I did not know if I would ever have. But I knew if I would start to sow good decisions into my life, at some point I had to trust God with whatever the outcome was. But I was responsible to adhering to the decisions that would line up with my values according to the Word of God. Some seven years later... I met my wife. A few years later, we had our first child. Seven years later, after now is seven years later after I met my wife, there are seeds that we had begun to sow in that season that we are reaping as a harvest even right now. This Monday, last Monday, my wife became a, a naturalized citizen of the United States. Seven years ago, yes. Thank you. Seven years ago, seven years ago, we gave $777.77 on, a, on the 1st of January as a seed because we were trusting God with something that we didn't have. This year, I told you about this gift of a car that God, God provided for me. I saw in the title last week when I, when I exchanged the title, and I, did it, when the owner, previous owner bought it, it had 777 miles on it. We're seven years in, and my wife is is becoming, a, is, is a citizen now. We talked with people who had been trying to get their citizenship for 20 and 30 years, and finally they were there getting their citizenship. There, there's more, seven years into our marriage and we're planning a church. Seven years, or we've, we've planted a church. Seven years in our marriage and we're actually about to move into a building for a church that we planted, and it's something miraculous that most churches are not even able to do at three years old. There's There's reaping that has taken place, but it took a decade. It took seven years. It took 13 years to sow and believe and water it with faith and being steadfast and making these three decisions that I will no longer lie to myself, even when it makes me feel bad about myself, that I will choose the ultimate over the immediate, no matter how loud the the immediate is speaking to me. 
that I will choose. I cannot do this by myself. These are decisions that shifted the values that I would have for the next 13 years. And I want to encourage you to begin to realign your life with the smarter God goals for this decade and let those decisions resonate through your soul in the same way. And I said I'm going to pray for you, so I'm going to pray for you now. So I like to ask this question for you to ask this question to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Help us fire the liar. And maybe you're here today and you've been struggling with this internal battle. And we get it. Maybe you've been struggling with values and what, even, what a goal even is or how to even have direction. We get it. Maybe you've been struggling with just relationships in general and you've been so hurt because you've actually tried this before. And the people... Maybe they gossiped or they just trampled the things that you were sharing from your heart. We get it. But God's Word says something different. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, I'm ready for a fresh start in doing this. I'm ready. There are going to be people up here. Our prayer team will be here after worship. And they're ready to pray with you over these things. They're ready to help you get over the hump. They're ready to help you begin to get to that place where you can declare, I am victor. And God will bring victory through me. But I have to face the conflict in order for the victory to come through me. So, Father, I pray for grace in every person. Maybe someone's here today and they have yet to come to know your Son as Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior. And I just pray that your presence just leads them unto you, Father. That leads them to Jesus Christ for that, that empowerment, that salvation, and that the justification and the declaring of their soul and their mind, Lord. I pray that they, you give them the courage to come up, where, up and, and just declare, I have given my life to Christ today. And I encourage you to just make Him Lord of your life. That call upon His name and begin to allow His truth to saturate your heart and your thinking and your mind and begin to make shift in all of your decisions today. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to come and, and just tell somebody on the prayer team today. Father, I pray for grace for everyone as they unearth some of the lies that are deep down in so they can really understand really why they are doing these things. I pray for grace upon themselves and grace to just penetrate the people around them, Lord. And I just pray for a strengthening of your body. And we just declare that you are good and we thank you for the victory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.